Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. was fun. I just have to say, I had a lot of fun in worship today, so. And uh, Dale, I'm going to have to start uninviting you to service if you're going to keep stealing my service, uh, my sermons. Uh, This isn't in my order, Nisa, but if you'll throw up my main slide today, um, this is my main, yeah, so. I'm starting a series today called The Joy Set Before Us. And, uh, and so, we'll just say the Holy Spirit's with us on this one, all right. But I wanted to start and get there um, in a different way. I want to start with a kind of an obscure piece of scripture that uh, spoke to me this week. Um, and it's found in Numbers chapter 6. It describes, it was a... Uh, for, for the Israelites, this was a voluntary action that they could take, okay? You weren't required to do this. It was a voluntary invitation to the people of Israel to become something called a Nazarite, okay? Now, not a Nazarene, okay? Jesus the Nazarene, not, not meaning somebody from Nazareth. In fact, Nazareth wasn't invented yet when the Nazarite vow was established in the book of Numbers in the the Old Testament, okay? So the Nazarite vow, now this also wasn't excluded, it wasn't just for guys. It was for anybody, guy or girl, whatever your age, you could take something called the Nazarite vow. You didn't didn't have to be from the the tribe of Levi or the tribe of Judah, any tribe, any person, not required, but voluntarily take something called the Nazarite vow, okay? And so, so this Nazarite vow, you would get up and you would make a declaration that you were doing this, and you would say this, I am now dedicated to the Lord. I'm dedicated, everything about me is dedicated to the Lord. And here's the cool thing, you could select during this special time of your life, you could pick the time period. There wasn't like a, it has to be a minimum of this many days and a maximum of this many days. There were some people that took this vow their entire life. Some people did it for a shorter period of time. It was voluntary. Anybody could do it. You set the time. Nobody was obligated to do it except Samson. (laughs) Samson, God said to do it. His parents just obeyed. During this time of your Nazarite vow, you would... uh, First thing you would do, the very first thing when you made this declaration, you would shave off all the hair. So you were bald as a billiard ball. During this time of of your uh, Nazarite vow, you had to abstain from wine, beer, vinegar, anything from grapes, seeds, skin. Uh, Never, ever could you go near a dead body for any reason. Even if it was your spouse, your child, your, a, dear, a dear family member, during this time that you said, I am set apart and consecrated and dedicated to the Lord, you couldn't go near that. In fact, if you touched a dead body or came near one, you had to start the Nazarite vow again, because you were now unclean. Okay. I know this is fascinating to you, but we're going somewhere with this. Here's, one, here's the thing that struck me this week. Uh, out of Numbers chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus, or the Lord says this. 
the hair of the Nazarite is sacred to me. And as long as you are a Nazarite, you must never cut your hair. Okay, obscure, a little weird, strange, foreign concept. Um, but the hair specifically is, is, is sacred to those who have made, who, to the Lord. At the end of your Nazarite vow, when your period was up, maybe it was a year, maybe it was three years, you would then go to the, back to the, well, this was, it was the tent of meeting at the time, and you would go to the entrance of the tent. Okay, you couldn't, you're not allowed in, only the priest can go in. But you're at the entrance of the tent. Before you is the altar that was the sacrifice, bronze altar. You would have to offer three animals, and then you would shave your hair one more time. And you would, all that hair that was sacred to the Lord, you would put it in the fire. And this aroma pleased the Lord. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever smelled burning hair. But there is nothing pleasing about that. <laughs> like if you've ever singed the, the hair on your knuckles or whatever, it, it is not a pleasing thing. And, and so, you know, whenever I get to a situation like this in the Word, I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to talk to me about this one. And, and so uh, the thought came to my mind, well, as I was praying, so I believe it was from the Lord. But, but the verse came to the Lord, it's out of Luke 16, where he says that he's counted the very hairs on our head, right? And I'm like, okay, that's, that, that kind of makes some sense there. Uh, but think about this. And, and that verse is, raise your hand, that verse has been special to anybody here. Oh, he even knows the amount of hairs on my head. Okay, three of us found that verse special. That's fantastic. What a group of holy people. But here, I want to be honest, just candid with you right now. That verse actually bugged me a little bit. I mean, it's a neat verse. But in the grand scheme of things, the God who knows, and he, he knows how many sands are on the seashore. There's not been a dog that passed through planet Earth that the Lord didn't know. He knows, he knows everything. He's called omnipotent. He knows the sand. He knows how many stars there are. He's omnipotent, omniscient. So to be honest with you, knowing how many hairs are on my head, in that light, isn't all that impressive? I mean, it's cool. But if he knows how many, how many hairs are on my cat's body, it makes it a little less special to me. So here's where I had an encounter with the Word of God. And again, this is all just getting us started for this, this series. Let me read you Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. It says, this is Jesus talking, and he says, Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs on your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Now, maybe we didn't quite catch that again, but listen. He knows. He cannot help but remember every sparrow that's sold. Every sparrow that cracks from an egg. He cannot help it. That's part of his nature, being omnipotent and omniscient. He just knows everything, right? So he knows, and he doesn't forget, but he counts our hair. 
our hair counts to him. Even the insignificant part of your hair matters and it counts. He numbers it. I mean, he remembers everything, but you, his creation, he counts it. We only count the things that are valuable to us. He counts the very hair on your head. Now, even in a bigger light, did you know that counting was bad in Scripture? When, when David took a census of his people, King David decided, I'm going to count all of my people. And what happened? He was punished. God gave him three options, and it turns out a disease started sweeping the people because God's like, it's not your job to count these people. They count to me. You think they count to you? You think they're yours? I count them. They're mine. I also think it's very interesting and not to be escaped on us that Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem on that Christmas Eve, what it was during a census of the people. A census was issued by Caesar Augustus to count Caesar's people. I don't think that's insignificant that God's like, no, my son's people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have him born just, just in this time. Born right into it. They're mine. I count them. They count to me. They're not yours. And then he says this. You are worth so much more than many sparrows. Many sparrows. I know I've used this illustration before, but I'm doing it again, so deal with it. All right? The word many, when he says, if you, if you deep dive into that word, the connotation Many is common. You're worth more than any common sparrow. Many, many sparrows. Now, I grew up 80s, 90s. Any 80s, 90s kids out there? So uh, if you were any sort of human, you collected these things. Baseball cards. I didn't play baseball. I didn't like baseball. I didn't watch baseball. But I collected baseball cards. I'd ride my bike down here to Ferndale, the Uncle Bubba Sports Shop. And uh, I'd, I'd get my 50 cents out and get the, I'd only buy the cheap Don Rest version. I didn't get the upper deck stuff. But here's what we would do. And sometimes if I saved up enough money, I'd get a whole box of baseball cards. And, and my, my brother and I, we'd sit there and, and you'd open the, the pack and you'd go like this. Common, common, common. These were, these were the unimpressive cards. These were the ones that weren't worth anything. Now this was my retirement plan. My, my dad's silly generation, didn't, they failed to collect the important cards. The Mickey Mantles, the Yogi Bears, the Babe Ruth, they used them to make motorcycles out of their bicycles. And so my brothers and I, will, well, we're not going to be that dumb. So everyone and their brother has a pile of these. But, but as you're going through, every once in a while, you'd pull out one, you'd be like, you'd comment, comment. <gasps> Ken Griffey Jr. rated rookie card. And you'd be like, there's nothing common about this. This, is, this thing would sell for like 100 bucks sometimes. So did Jose Canseco, believe it or not. And so, and so I had a notebook of the special, uncommon, important cards that were worth something, and I'd put it in there, and the really special ones, they'd go in a nice case, just like this. Because one day, this will be worth all the millions of dollars. That's why it sits in a bin. All right. Kirby Puckett All-Star. All right. 
That's right. When the Lord digs through the pile of his creation, everything's common except his creation of humanity. And he comes to you and he's like, oh, it's a Dale Hood. Oh, I got a Dale Hood. Gee, oh, God, this is amazing. A Sagai McConan rookie card when he was still in Ethiopia. Oh, that's amazing. I'm putting that in a special case. This one's going in a special vault in my special mansion, in my special place called heaven. Everything out there, he knows, but even the very hairs of your head count to him. Count, and they matter to him. Nothing common. This wasn't supposed to be a hair message. <laughs> Interestingly enough, everything above the follicles dead in your hair, on your hair. And that makes you ladies feel pretty silly for spending all that money. Dying and fix. I'm just kidding, Hannah. I'm just kidding. Everything above the fault. Now, at a crime scene, the, the, uh, they're looking for little, little hairs that's fallen off of the, of, the, of the robber or whatever it was. The holy grail is when they find a follicle attached because your entire DNA is found in there. But now they can even find your DNA from the dead cell. From the dead hair. They can read all of that. And it, it, has anybody taken an ancestry test where you swab your mouth, right? And then, and then you get a picture like this one up here where, oh, you're from. Yeah, there we go. You've got ancestors from all these regions. Isn't that amazing? You're like, I didn't know that about myself. I am a Mexican. That is amazing. That's not true. This isn't my DNA. I, would, I don't want you to steal my identity, okay? For from the dead hair on your head, without a follicle, they can trace your ancestry by the region from where you're from. Your very hair carries with you the DNA and the, the autobiography of your, your life since Adam all the way. Not only that, it carries within it the coding and the sequences that God authored himself and his very image into you. It counts. It matters. It is uncommon. So you get back to the Nazarite, who at the very start, he says, now from at this point I am dedicating everything to the Lord. I will, I'm going to live this holy life. And at the end of it, he holds this up, the hair, that all the hair that grew during that time, and he burnt it before the Lord. That hair that carried with him even his ancestry that he's saying, I'm dedicated, oh, every part of my past and the generations that may come, may it be dedicated to you, Lord. It was significant. It was beautiful, and it brought God pleasure. Because this is the heart and the soul of the gospel. Any, everybody look at me. Anything, anything that is dedicated to the Lord lasts for eternity. Okay, what is this symbolic act? He's burning this hair and so it disappears here on earth. This may come as a shock to you. 
But at one point, you will die, your body will rot, and it will be gone. But if you've dedicated your life to the Lord, it will live on to forever. The whole point of this is, is anything that you say, Lord, I, I, I know this, is, this, this time I have is temporary, but I dedicate it unto you. And he like, that lasts for eternity. That's beautiful. That's why, in, unless you have dedicated yourself to the Lord, we call that salvation, your life will not last into eternity with Jesus. But if you have, there is a, a really almost a giddy hope that should rise up in you. Even during the hardest times, because I have a different foundation than what everybody sees. Even though it's sh- I feel like everything's shaking. <laughs> That's temporary. That's, I, can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means you can do nothing if you don't have Christ. <laughs> You will be the common card that's thrown into the bicycle tire. Because you haven't made that decision or that declaration. Now, I realize that there are moments that it seems like it's hard to do, but I'm telling you, those are the moments you've got to stand all the more and dedicate all the more. Lord, I trust you, 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 I trust you. I loved what they said last week, and maybe by the 41st time you believe it. (laughs) I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Our life is temporary, just like mankind. Today, well, tonight at sundown is the end of Rosh Hashanah. If you didn't know that, congratulations. Now you do. Rosh Hashanah is uh, the Jewish New Year. Uh, lots of things. I'm not going to go into a deep dive on Rosh Hashanah today. But one of the things is they believe it's uh, the, the creation of man, which would be Adam's birthday celebration that however many thousands of years ago Adam was created new creation celebrate the creation all of that celebrate these things that were made temporary I just I just think that's that's profound because all of those things are temporary and they're invited to an opportunity as I dedicate them to the Lord to last into eternity it leads into uh, next week is uh, the, the Feast of, or is the Day of Atonement next week? Day of Atonement is when they would offer that, the red heifer. The following week, starting at Friday till Sunday, is the Feast of Tabernacles, where they are, they, the, the invitation is to go camp in your backyard for this, this ceremony, to remind yourself that this is temporary and this too shall pass. And we'll go into those a little bit as we go through this series uh, it won't be our main points. But before we go today, I want to lay down just our foundational scripture and quickly give you a glimpse of where we're going. Our main, our main, our main scripture today for our series that we're starting, the joy set before us, is Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, and I've read this lots of times, but therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the way the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross for the joy set before him 
he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, it's a worthy thing to consider. There was nothing pleasant about the cross. I don't think I need to remind you of that. Jesus didn't endure the cross by focusing on every moment of pain he was suffering. It's important. This is profound, and if you can grab hold of this, you can get through anything. Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. When the nail goes in, he's like, he, he wasn't like this, nail, nail, nail. What a bad nail. What a painful nail. The joy set before him. That's his focus. So every nail, every nail, the joy set before him. The joy set before him. Now, what was the joy set before him? Was, was it sitting at the right hand of God? No. He already had that before the cross. Huh. What was the joy set before him? It was you. It was me. I'm telling you, they gave him the, the 40 lashes minus one. And they're counting him. One! Two! And every moment he was counting the joy. The hairs on your head counting. Numbering the very... And I mean, the joy set before him. Was what, was what got him through. Now I'm telling you, he turns to, he says, our, our example is to be Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You may be carrying a very real cross in your life right now. And that's okay. You will make it through. If you will fix your eyes on the one who made it through and follow his example. It wasn't by focusing and dwelling and rehearsing the pain. Focusing, it, was, it was by looking at the joy set before him on you. What is the joy you've set before you? That's the only thing that's going to get you through. Now, forgive me, but not every... It, let me say two things. One, it is okay. Look at me. It is okay to pursue joy. That's something that some Christians have forgotten. They, they feel like the only godly life is a suffering life. And that's nonsense. Now, now I'm not saying that we run after what we think is joy. And, and temporary pleasures and quick fixes and quick highs and, and medicate all of that. That's not joy. But it is okay and very godly to pursue joy. With Christ at the center. He is the source of joy. So you have to understand that. He's the joy set before us. Now I'll tell you this story. Pastor Sagai brought me to Ethiopia once. And it's a long flight. <laughs> and I don't need to go into all the details about my flight home and how I almost missed the flight because of Sagai's sister. And I'm not blaming her. I'm not better. I, I got to go to the Rock House Center now to get through that. No. But I'm, I'm, I'm racing through the airport. I'm sweaty. And, and it's like, I, I, I want to say it's a 
49-hour flight. That's not true. But I, I finally got on the plane, and I'm seated between two very large people. Okay, and, and bless their heart, the one guy, he's big, and he's got a leather jacket on, and like he's doing all his best to hold it in, right? And I'm sitting down, and like I'm sweating. I'm sure they were just as equally despised that I'm sitting there, but I, I made it on there. And I'm telling you, I'm like, everything I did, I just closed my eyes and held them tight for like 14 hours. There was nothing pleasant or joy-filled about my flight home from Ethiopia. How did I get through that without losing my mind? The joy set before me, oh, my family, I'm going to go home, I'm going to see them. I'm gonna, I'm, I, get to, I get to go. First thing I did off the flight, I landed in Toronto, and now Toronto's my favorite city. I ran to a Tim Hortons. Oh! <laughs> Canadian food, American food. The joy sent before me is what got me through. I know I've talked to several college kids, and this is the time they're still trying to get through that homesickness and all of that. And what I said to them was, hey, like, like it's not about this moment. Like, you've got a goal in mind. Like, you've got to get to, you're aiming to the goal so you can get through anything. The joy set before us. Not the, not the quick fix, not the temporary high. I'm talking about Christ in you. I heard this quote this week, and it says this. A man, listen to this, this is good. A man without vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will return to his past. Why is that, why is that important? Because... If I think joy is found in this moment, I'm going to return to the past. I have to have a vision bigger than sitting on the plane. I have to have a vision bigger than this temporary time of suffering. I have to have the vision that there is joy set before me so I can keep up walking. I can keep moving forward. Some people would say, well, isn't the joy in the journey? Sometimes it is. But there's a lot of times in the journey that the joy is set before you so you will keep on moving. Because it's not time to sit down yet. It's time to keep moving. Keep moving. You have to move toward the joy set before you. Not towards, oh, it's an inevitable. It's a, a, no, there's joy set before you. And you must remind and renew your mind with it every day so you will keep moving forward. This is why you get to, you get to these, these passions of Scripture and they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't without him. Or one of my favorites. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. What, what is one of the things it says love does? Endures all things. It endures all things. It doesn't quit. It moves forward. It keeps moving forward. Galatians 5.22, one of the fruits of the Spirit is something called long-suffering. The ability to be in a hard moment for a period of time, sometimes longer than you want, usually longer than you want. But the fruit of the Spirit gives you the ease of being able to do that. Where do you get the Spirit? From the Father, through Jesus Christ. i got to keep my focus in the right, right spot. 
temptation, temptation. This is not just for our teenagers. This is for everybody who faces temptation. And then I'll, con I'll conclude with this. We've got a lot more stuff to go into, but today we'll land here. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is one of my favorite verses to remind myself. L let me just see by a show of hands, who here has ever been tempted to commit a sin? Today. <laughs> Some of you who didn't raise your hands, would you come take the pulpit now? Yeah, we've been tempted. I'm tempted every day, all the time. Listen to this. First, this is the promise for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. Now look, some of you think that you're so special, that your temptation is so unique, and no, you know, nobody else could stand against the, your temptation. It's, it's just a common card. That's all it is. Thousands and millions of people have faced it before you. You're not unique in temptation. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you count to Jesus. But your temptation is just a common card that everybody's faced. Everybody's faced something just as hard as you. It's just common. You're uncommon. That's why you can walk through it. Listen, I ought to finish this verse. No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Never forced to sin. Never placed in an inevitable situation where, oh, it's just, I guess here we go. This goes for addicts as well. I want to give you hope. Because oftentimes people will tell you as an addict, well, this is, you know, this is just, it's a unique thing, and you're, you know, you've got this dysfunction, it's a disease. Maybe so, but it's not uncommon, and you are uncommon. And if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, if his very code is written into your DNA, and if you have dedicated your purity, dedicated your pleasure, dedicated your mind, dedicated your body to Jesus Christ, it is in eternity with him. And the promise is there's never a situation where you can't say, I'm taking the way out now. The joy set before you. This is why you've got to have revelation of joy in your life. I think we've got to flush the revelation that we have to always be in pain and suffering and you know, endure heart. We, listen, those things will come and go, but the joy remains if you will focus. The joy has got to be the goal. That's what got Jesus through the cross. Everybody repeat after me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand with me, please. If you're here today and you've never dedicated your life to the Lord, maybe that's a new concept or you don't, you, it's just something you want to do right now. If it's uh, you want to dedicate your life, or there's a portion of your life that you have kept unreserved. Maybe you dedicated 90% of your life, but my secret stuff. We're going to do a prayer of dedication unto the Lord. As if it were the Nazarite vow. 
I dedicate it to you. So if you're here today and you are going to put, you want to dedicate your whole life, that's it. Put your hands in front of you. If you've got that specific thing, maybe it's that temptation or maybe even an addiction that, that keeps coming back and, and you want to dedicate that to the Lord, secure it with him. Put your hands out. Let's have our heads bowed, hands in front of us. And we're saying, dear Jesus, I dedicate everything to you. From this day on, it belongs to you. I belong to you. I set myself apart to you. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill everyone in this place with the sense of joy that they can see in front of them. That you would fill them with the deep, profound, just the firm foundation of knowing that, he, that we are found and dedicated in you. Father, and I pray anybody here who has, has been walking through this a difficult season today in the name of Jesus, as they dedicate it to you, they would find the rest needed in Jesus to endure all things. I pray for those who are at the peak of their game, loving life, living large, Father, that they wouldn't neglect, that the joy is not found completely here on earth, but we got to keep moving toward you. And that we wouldn't take things back from our dedication just because everything seems hunky-dory. But we would continue to confess that Jesus, you are the firm foundation. You are our rock. And we dedicate our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the only beings that have Jesus Christ and God Almighty encoded into your very hair. Now, I'll tell you this much. This, isn't, this, isn't, this is totally true. Uh, on Wednesday, I, after I was done preparing my message, I went and got my hair cut. And as I watched him sweeping that into the bin, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. That's some important stuff you're doing there. Just hit a little bit different. But may the Lord bless you with that knowledge, with the satisfaction and the understanding that you are found only in him. And may you go with the joy set before you and fix your eyes on Jesus. God bless you. We'll have folks up here if you want prayer for anything. Enjoy this beautiful week. We're praying for snow. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.